Friends, Heather here. Let's shout some worth and shift some narratives for people with Down syndrome. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. We today are very excited. We have Kayla Craig back on the show. Kayla is here to tell us all about her new book, Every Season Sacred. We chat about the importance of growing, learning, embracing all of the seasons of life. We're grateful to have her on the podcast today. We love having our favorite guests back on. So let's get to it, friends. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Able Now. Able Now accounts are the result of a grassroots cross-disability advocacy effort. The idea originated with a group of parents who recognized the inequity of not being able to save money in their children's name for fear of losing essential benefits, such as Medicaid. These advocates helped to change the law so people with disabilities can achieve a better life experience. Today, Able Now accounts are available to qualified individuals in all 50 states. Learn if you or someone you know is eligible for an Able Now account at ablenow.com. That's ablenow.com. Before Kayla and I jump into our conversation, I'm going to read another kind review from one of you incredible listeners. This comes from Jordan Wren who says, I've been a fan of these ladies for a while now. When I have a long drive, I'm happy to listen to as many back-to-back episodes as I can. I love the ideas they share and the thoughts on shoulders down spaces. I always feel encouraged and fired up to advocate for my son with Down syndrome and my deaf daughter. The most recent episode made me feel really seen as we all navigate cringy comments. I was encouraged to know that I'm not the only one, still figuring it out. So thankful for these friends and the knowledge and encouragement that they bring. Jordan Wren, thank you for for listening. Thank you for this comment. I'm so grateful that we get to be on this journey together. We do see you and we are in it with you always. That goes for all of you listeners. If you would like to, and you haven't yet left a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts, do that. And then maybe we'll read it here together next week. All right, listeners and friends, I'm here today with Kayla Craig. We chatted with her back in 2020. It was episode 75, if you want to jump back and take a listen, which I highly recommend you do, um, about her journey to motherhood and adopting two kids, one who has Down syndrome. She's a a former journalist who brings deep curiosity and care to her writing. She's the author of Every Season Sacred and To Light Their Way. We're going to talk about both of those books. Um, With a poetic, prophetic voice, she's created the popular Liturgies for Parents Instagram account, which Christianity Today named an essential parenting resource. Friends, this is a must follow. She also hosts the Liturgies for Parents podcast. I listened to two episodes this morning on my walk, and it's one of my go-tos just to um, soothe my soul and make me feel encouraged. Kayla is nuanced and accessible in her reflections. Her essays and her prayers are featured in various books, devotionals, and Bible studies. Kayla lives in a 115-year-old former convent in her Iowa hometown, where she hopes to create spaces of welcome alongside her four children, two dogs, her pastor husband, Johnny, and she's here with us today. Kayla, welcome back to the Lucky Few Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's always so weird to hear like bits of your life, you know, presented in a certain way, so... I'm like, on my best days, on my best days, this is 
who I am. Right? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Anytime someone's like, yeah, send me, we need a bio. I'm like, oh, really? I And then the, then they read it out loud. Yep. Like, oh, all of that is true. And I know. stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Our My house is 126 years old. Wow. I know. That is not super yeah. common. It's not. No, yeah. the city I live in, in Redlands, was one of the first cities established in California. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Or something like that. I think our high school is the oldest, the <laughs> oldest still standing high school. I mean, it's not in the same space or anything. It's a giant right. school now. But the charm wins over the heartache or the hardship of an Absolutely. old house, right? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> are there squirrels in this? Absolutely. But you know there what? Is. This ha- house holds a lot of stories. It has a lot of history. Yeah. <laughs> it holds a lot of stories. I know. This is very off topic. I mean, obviously, but we are, we have a cesspool. <laughs> Our house is on a cesspool. Do you know about this? Do you know about cesspools? I, I briefly have seen it. Like, <laughs> cesspools are a literal thing. <laughs> right? I'm like, we use that in the language we talk about. Like, this place is right. a cesspool. No, our house is on a literal cesspool. And when we bought it, yeah, I was like, what? What are you talking about? It's not a septic. It's not on the city sewer. And whenever they put city sewer in, they just never added our house to it. So like, what do we do? Like, what is what is this? And we had it inspected and the guy's like, it's fine. It functions. You've got 10 to 15 years on it for sure. Uh, maybe longer. And we're like, okay, we don't know what's happening under our house, but so far, so good. Knock on wood. <laughs> old houses, right? Okay, yeah. so you are in Iowa in your old house with your beautiful family. Um, will you tell our listeners a little bit more about your family? Yeah, so we have four kids. They're between the ages of seven and 13. And as you mentioned, two of our children were adopted. I have two biological kiddos. And uh, our daughter, Eliza, has Down syndrome and a variety of disabilities and medical needs. And I just love how all of my kids, and I'm sure you feel this way and lots of parents feel this way, but they all have such unique personalities and they all have such specific ways that they view the world. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm really appreciative of that. Even in its challenges, I feel like I get to see myself in a new light when I'm with them and parenting them. And I feel like I get to see God in a a new way through each of them and how they experience the world. I love that. Let's talk a little bit more about Eliza because as we know, the Lucky Few podcast is a Down syndrome is our community is down in the Down syndrome community and Eliza has Down syndrome. How old is she now? She is seven. She is a very petite seven. (laughs) A lot of people think she is much younger, but she is seven years old and in December will turn eight, which is um, incredible. What, how old is she when she came home to you? She was two and a half weeks old when we mm-hmm. met her. And then it was a couple of weeks of figuring out, you know, the adoption process. So um, she came home when she was about a month old and Amazing. very, very tiny. And we actually got photos of her newborn style when she was like three and a half weeks old. And she was just so petite that she was still able to like move into those little poses that itty bitty babies you know, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, and she's your youngest, right? She no, actually no. isn't. Yeah. I was, I was pregnant with my son, Abra. Right. I was about four months pregnant. Um, and we were just about to kind of like pull our names from, um, you know, the bucket to be 
contacted if there was a child um, that kind of fit our family. And we had given it a couple more weeks. And in that time, um, well, we got a call about Eliza. So we have kiddos that are four months apart. And um, yeah, so Abram is like the youngest, but in some ways, Eliza feels like the youngest. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet girl. Um, I, I want to talk about, so you have a new book coming out. Um, yeah. it'll be out actually a week from today, friends. And it is called every season sacred. A few questions here. I want to start with talk, talk a little bit about your inspiration for writing this book. Yeah, I think I wanted to write a book that I needed. And as I was talking to the real life parents in my own life and in my own circle, I was realizing that I wasn't seeing a book that spoke to the the deep pains and the deep joy and the deep injustices and the deep wonder that comes with just being human. And I feel like there, um, there's, you know, books are saturated all over the place and there are so many Christian parenting books, but a lot of them um, don't feel honest to my lived mm. experience. They don't feel like uh, they meet me where I am in my actual life and parenting mm-hmm. and just caring for my own soul, right? So I wanted to create a book that cared for the soul of the parents that offered kind of an exhale in your actual life um, and then kind of gave you some resources to connect not only with yourself and with God, but with the kids and your family in your real life. Um, so mm-hmm. it's kind of goes through the year and um, each week of the year has kind of a miniature reflection. I don't say devotional because I feel like a lot of us hear devotional and we're like, and for that reason, I'm out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to create something that invited you into spiritual reflection. That's great. Um, but hopefully in a way that felt um, honest and maybe not cheesy or maybe not like prescriptive, like this is how you do things. And if you don't experience you know, your faith in this one bucket, then you're out. You know what I mean? So wanted to make it feel welcome and inviting. So there's kind of that reflection. And then there's a breath prayer, which I love, which is just a short kind of in and out um, prayer when you don't have time or margin or mind space for anything else. And then it mm-hmm. goes into questions, uh, kind of pulled from that journalism background and created um, for each week of the year, there's just open-ended questions for you to reflect on, to invite your kids on. You can kind of morph them, change them to the season of life you're in, the age or stage that your kids are in. And then each week has a prayer that you can pray together and they're short. Um, and my book, To Light the Way, it's all prayers from the perspective of a parent. And they're a little longer and they're a little more poetic. And with these, they're prayers to pray with the people in your life, mm. with with the kids in your life. So there's like a one that's a little shorter, a little more simpler language. And then there's one that's a little more poetic. So just kind of pick and choose what works for you. Um, I listeners, I have, I got to read this book ahead of time and, um, was honored to get to endorse it and endorse it with flying colors. I, it is the book that I have been looking for. Um, Mm -hmm. it is the, yeah, the book I've been looking for. And we, everybody listening is on a different faith journey. Some people don't, consider themselves a person of faith by any means. And I just think there's a, a place in this book for everybody. Um mm-hmm. just to be, yeah, to be present. Like you give words to things 
that I don't have the words for. And I feel in moments of weariness, especially, but really in any season, sometimes it's like I, I need someone to have, I need a tool that's saying the, the thing, like holding it for me, if that makes sense, saying it mm-hmm. with me, like you said, it's an invitation. It's like, I don't know the words to say right now, but I need something to grasp onto. And there's words there that you've beautifully gifted everybody. It's just really, it's a, it's a pretty spectacular book, Kayla. Really grateful that you wrote it and that it's in the world. I think looking at it through the lens of having a child with Down syndrome, I am curious how Eliza how how this book was different because mm-hmm. of her um maybe like if if you didn't have a child with a disability i'm assuming your other children are non-disabled maybe there's some neurodivergence mm-hmm. but is that a safe assumption yeah yeah okay. i have a we have a son that you know we have some other things in our family but not like eliza yeah sure. <laughs> okay and so so knowing that you're writing this book for parents from a parent heart or for families and how has Eliza shifted the way that you have entered into this story and and put words on paper like this yeah yeah well I'm sure you you can relate to this I feel like I am not the same person Mm. I am not the same parent I am not experiencing God I'm not experiencing the world in the same way now that I have Eliza mm. in my life, right? Eliza has has broken open a lot inside me and given me kind of new eyes to experience the world. And I feel like I have new lenses to see. I feel like things are so different. The mm. way I experience who God is, who I am in light of that, how I experience um, my own suffering, the suffering of Eliza, the suffering of our family and how I experience joy with her in ways that I haven't. Um, she she doesn't speak, um, so she doesn't use words to communicate, but she does communicate, right? Um, she, she doesn't um, walk, she's not mobile, so um, she's not able to stand on her own. Um, you know, I could list so many, what she, what she cannot do, right? In the eyes of, of so many others, it's just, if you're a parent that, has a child who's disabled, you've often had a form where you fill out. And those forms are just so hard sometimes because you just have to put in ink. No, no, no. Like you see this lined up and all the, the can'ts. Um, but Eliza has also invited me into um, a deeper spirituality almost, mm. a deeper understanding of, of faith and of what it looks like to live life together. Yeah. You talk about sacred parenting, um, this concept of sacred parenting. Would you define that for us? And maybe even how Eliza has has affected that definition or played yeah. into that definition. Um, and then how, this is three parts, sorry. How, how us parents listening or parents who are listening or caregivers can incorporate that idea of sacred parenting into our daily lives. Yeah, I think something that I'm working on, and you know, it's not like I've hit this this summit and I, I, you know, I've unlocked all the secrets. But something I'm working on, and something that I try to maybe invite other people to join me in, is seeing the sacred moments in the mess, in the ordinary, in the unseen moments. 
experience. And, you know, I think about something that I do that can often be like triggering for me because it starts me on a path of what ifs and of worries and fears. And it's when I'm changing mm. her diaper, right? Because I don't know when that'll end. I don't know if that will end. And so when I say seeing the sacred in all things, I'm not saying like glance over the heart or, you know, just layer it with toxic positivity. But what I'm saying is how can God be with us right now, even in the hard, even in the messy, um, and uh-huh. in the literal, you know, gross parts of our lives. And, and when we ask why, and we don't have answers, can God still be with us in all of it? And I, I think the answer is yes. So that's kind of what I mean mm-hmm. by that. And I think just every day choosing to be present and, and that means choosing to be present in the heart and, and not to numb out or not to become cynical. But it also means being awake to, to the beauty and to the wonder and to the awe in the parts of our lives that we just kind of so often gloss over and we're moving to the next thing and to the next thing. So I hope that every season sacred mm-hmm. is an invitation to notice, to be noticers in our actual, real, messy, chaotic, beautiful lives. Yeah. You wrote, there's like a little beautiful quote. Also, friends, you need to go look at all of this stuff online. And then just the cover of the book is so pretty. Everything's so pretty. It's so beautiful. Like, let's frame it all and stick it on our wall. And this says, this is from your, from Every Season Sacred, this line. It says, we live in mystery, believing there is a truth in a swirl of now and not yet. And I've found, we've talked about it on the podcast too, that idea of the both and being real and true. And I, and I think I'm other things in my life could have gotten me there, but my kids with down syndrome, like kind of shoved me into that reality of both. And that there is very little in my life that is black and white anymore. We just hang out Mm -hmm. in the gray constantly and that, and it's very mysterious. And I used to want to wrap things up in a nice neat bow or make the plan to get to the next point or, hang my hope on what is to come um, that Mm -hmm. maybe won't come. Right. And I'm thinking like you shared just now very candidly about Eliza needing help with toileting and thinking of, Mm -hmm. and and even saying, and maybe she won't always, and maybe she will always. Mm -hmm. And within the Down syndrome community, there's just these, I have found there's these narratives around our child with Down syndrome has worth because of what they can do and how my Mason and August have really shown me a different lens to view humanity through. And it's kind of the opposite of that. Like, oh no, our child with Down syndrome has value and worth because they are, and they don't have to be able to be toilet trained to have value and worth. Like that's not what it hinges on. Or when I read this right now, um, Macy is in high school and I was watching some old videos and with whatever's happening in her, in the way that she learns, her reading has progressed very, very little in the last six years. Like, and I'm watching it and I just had a moment with Josh where I, my husband, Josh, where I was just in tears about like, where did we go wrong? What happened? Why is this not working? What's the next thing? And I spiral real quick down, 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 down. And it's like that 
like you said in this quote, the mystery of believing there's truth in that swirl of the now and the not yet. And right now, Macy's reading at the mm-hmm. same level she was reading at when she was in like third grade and she's a high schooler mm-hmm. and there's been very little progress. And maybe that always is that way. And it's that, yeah, like you just described as well, it's the swirl of of what what is the both and the now and the not yet. And it's okay. And it's good and it's sacred. Mm-hmm. I don't even know my question here with that. Uh- <laughs> well, well, it makes me think like how often I put on myself performance driven output, what I can do determines my value, you know, and that does trickle mm-hmm. into all parts of our lives. It's so pervasive. This, this idea in our culture of our value lies not in our inherent worth, not in yeah. our belovedness, not in we are loved because we are loved. And, and that trickles into everything, right? And so um, it, it is part of my own soul and the work that I'm doing. Yeah. And I feel like Eliza invites me in, like, you know, I hear, you know, she's your daughter's reading at third grade reading level. And I'm like, I'm not sure Eliza will ever read one word, <laughs> you know, like that, that is, that is our reality. That is, um, that is her reality. And yet totally. yeah. we have these daughters who point us to belovedness because they are. And um, yeah, it's not to, not to tokenize anybody, but mm-hmm. just to um, notice when we start to feel like if I don't do X, Y, and Z as a parent or as an employee or whatever it is, mm-hmm. then we are not worthy of X, Y, and Z. And then I think that's kind of flips our whole way of thinking upside down when we start to, you know, receive yeah. that, that God is a parent who parents us, who loves us, not because of what we can do, but because God lavishes love on us. And so when we receive that, mm-hmm. then we can you know, pour that into um, the people around us and our kids. Yeah. Yes. That's so good. And Macy Mason reads at a preschool level since third grade. So it just hasn't progressed. And I, you, yeah, it's, oh guy, it's so, right. it's so hard for me. I'm just being real candid here, Kayla and my listeners, even feeling like I need to say that. Like I just, I, I think of listeners like me. I think of people like me who hear a thing and then take that in as, well, then my kid's not doing enough, you know, or, or shoot. So yeah. there, I felt this need yeah. to be like, no, Mason is not reading at a third grade level. I can't even imagine her reading at a third grade level. That would be incredible. And we're right. at a preschool right. level since third grade. Yeah. Not progressing past that. Yeah. And none of that. Yeah. At, I think at the end of all of it, it sort of doesn't matter. And what, and I think what you're talking about too yeah. in sacred parenting is this invitation to be present in what exactly is right now. And even I think, yeah. would you say like yeah. in that presence, it's not even necessarily good or bad. It's just there. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. like sometimes it just is, you know, like we just are. And um, how can we be present to mm-hmm. the griefs that we have or you know, maybe the unmet expectations or the shame we can easily place on ourselves or whatever it is. And how can we just acknowledge that? I think so much is um, naming, naming our feelings and then being able to kind of work through it from there. 
There's also seasons, which your book obviously talks a lot about. It touches on the significance of embracing every season. Thinking about our listeners, how do you, how would you say parents can shift or caregivers' perspectives as we view challenges and setbacks and milestones in our parenting journey as sacred and meaningful when it's in a hard season? Yeah, I so I live in Iowa where we have four very distinct yeah. seasons. And there's always a part, usually around January and February, where I'm like, everything's worthless. Everything's <laughs> terrible. It's all gray. Death is around us. Like, just the most dramatic, like, Shakespearean uh, lament you can imagine. That is that is how I feel for real. Um, you know, like, I do have some seasonal depression. Like, that is, it does feel bleak. It feels mm-hmm. very bleak. And... I love that even though I can't see the hope, I can't see the green grass sprouting out of the earth, it's going to come. It's under the earth and it's getting ready. And year after year, no matter how awful the winter is, spring somehow still comes. And I think for me, keeping in mind that seasons are seasons and that life is is cyclical, and that we're always changing and that time, you know, isn't just the straight line, but it's, it's a circle somehow. Um, that gives me hope that even when I can't see the hope, I have hope that someday it'll come. Yeah, definitely. I was just this summer talking with someone who was talking about seasons of our soul too, and which is what you're referring to here, but just that when you're in that bleak, dark winter season, it does, it's hard to think that there's anything else. It's not yeah. wild. Yeah. It's just hard to think there's anything else. It is. And so then what do you, yeah, what do you hold on? What do you hold on to? What do you, what do you hold on to? Do you have mantras or prayers or like you're just reading the words that you write? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do, I do appreciate breath prayers because I'm so in my head all the time. I feel like I have all of this running thoughts and um, it's hard for me to just be still. And so a practice for me is, is to actually breathe, like actually take a deep breath in and out because I can just almost forget to, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's so essential to us. Like we literally need breath in our lungs, but to take a minute to breathe and to even just say like, God, you are with me, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. it. That's the prayer or God, you don't leave me. Like I'm praying and reminding myself of a truth that is hard to see in that Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah spring is coming yes yes <laughs> the snow will melt right yeah <laughs> well, figuratively and literally depending yeah. on if you're in Iowa or not yeah I, I want to talk about also in your book that you discuss the importance of creating supportive and inclusive environments for children with disabilities um which makes it I think unique as well and and I um am hopeful and prayerful that it is as it is widely accepted and embraced, it will be people thinking through things they've never thought through before as parents. Mm. So what are some practical steps parents can take that you would suggest to foster an environment both in their homes and their communities that is supportive and inclusive for our loved ones with disabilities? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love getting to see my kids interact with Eliza and then Mm. get to see my kids' friends and their circles. And I was at their school and Eliza was like working really hard in her gate trainer and her walker with her para. 
and they were walking and an older kid who I didn't know was walking past. I had my hands full doing something completely different. And he was just like, Hey, Eliza. And just took the time to see her, took the time to call her out, to know her by name. And I was just like, that's all we ever want, right? Is to mm. be seen. That's all I yeah. want. That's all I want for, for all of my kids is to be seen and known for exactly who they are. And it wasn't, it just was so moving because it wasn't a pandering hello. Mm-hmm. It wasn't performative. It was just honest. You know, it just, this is the student that I see uh, during this time of day walking. And, um, and I loved that because yeah. so often I see grownups talk over her um, because she can't verbally respond to them. And so they ask me questions about her in front of her or talk to me about her like she's not there and honestly feel like kids can have a lot to teach us um, in regards to to seeing people Um, because I think a lot that they learn that is is not inclusive and is not warm and welcoming comes from us comes from Mm -hmm. grown-ups that's where they see it Um, so yeah I I just that was a picture like a microcosm of like what we could be we could see each other and um, you know my kids that are in elementary school they ride um, a bus that is handicap accessible that has a wheelchair ramp um, and it is a bus that kind of goes around the whole city to take them to their school and so a lot of the kids that ride the bus have different physical disabilities or and so they that's just like their life like they they're just that just is you know it's not good or bad it just is and so I appreciate I appreciate that and I want to invite you know others into it whether or not they have a child that is disabled yeah the sibling piece is really incredible right with the, the way that our kids without disabilities interact and then how their friends do and this last summer we went to a camp called Hope Heals and Mm -hmm. and it was in Alabama and it's for families with disability. So everybody at the camp is affected by disability in pretty profound ways. And then you're all together and talk about sacred space. And it just is everybody's just, I hate the word normalized, but like we've all just normalized disability and difference and we're Mm -hmm. all just there. Mm -hmm. And you watch the siblings, like some siblings, with, who have physical different disabilities, but not cognitive. And then they all befriend each other and they're just like running around with prosthetic legs and, or wheeling around. And everyone's just kind of there together doing life. And truly our daughter who's non-disabled, how she is like watching her just with such ease mm. glide into these spaces that most of society is pretty terrified to enter. Yeah. Um, without even thinking twice about it, you yep. know, and it's, it really is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And then to watch her, like to know that her siblings have played such a role in her seeing the full humanity in others and not shying away from disabled people because she doesn't understand it. Yeah. It, it is amazing. And then watching her friends watch her in a non-disabled space, you know, like you're just yeah. explaining. Yep. Watching your watching our kids' friends watch them be a sibling to their disabled sibling is yeah. It's pretty remarkable. 
yeah. what's going on that we're not even paying. I'm not even really paying attention to, right. you know, right. like what's taking place under the surface that's, it is. Yeah. That is, that's, it's sacred. It is. It is sacred. Yeah. It really is. So with this book coming out, what, what are you hoping will really resonate with the readers? Like with, and I know that it's written more probably with families in mind, but there's something for caregivers. There's something for people raising kids or not. I feel like if you're not raising kids, I feel like it's still a really great, a really great read. Um, but you have equipped parents and caregivers to really care well for their families and for the families to come together, right. Mm -hmm. Um, with these words and with this book, but what, how do you hope that this book is impacting families? I think, you know, I know so many people that maybe had attended church and 2020 hit and COVID came and just haven't gone back, haven't, mm -hmm. you know, seen. And for me, like a daughter that has significant disability, like there's, there's so many reasons why I understand that choice. And my husband's a pastor, right? <laughs> um, and, and when you have a child that does have a compromised immune system, that does have extra needs, that, that shouts in the sanctuary and as other things are happening, you know, like is, is, are people looking at us as, is, are people upset at us? Is that okay? Like the, I understand the very different reasons that parents uh, might be like, we're not in a season where we're going to church and I get it. And also I know there are a lot of people that want to share faith with their kids. They don't want to lose it all. You know, maybe, um, cultural Christianity has been disappointing. Um, yeah. You know, we see a lot of not great stuff <laughs> about people who, you know, claim claim Jesus and claim to be Christians and and act in in really terrible ways. You know, and we're awake to that. We see that. And so, where does that leave us when we do want to explore our faith? We do want to have. A relationship with God. We want to invite our kids into that. We want to live out our values and not just be sharing on Instagram, but like we actually want to live in to who we are and how we love our neighbor and care about being just and equitable in our world. So where does that leave us, right? Where does that yeah. leave so many parents? And I hope that, you know, whether, whether or not, wherever you are in your faith journey or whatever season of life you're in, that there will be something in this book that helps you feel less alone and reminds you that God is with you and that God is with your kids and, and equips you to have conversations with your kids about what's going on in the world, what about what's going on in their soul and makes you to reflect on it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then how can you live into that in your actual lives together? Yeah. Uh, because parenting doesn't have a pause button. We can't like figure sure out doesn't. the mysteries of the world and then come back in and, and help mm -hmm. our kids. Like we're all figuring it out in real time. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that this book just reminds, reminds people that they're not alone and that God is with them and sees them and deeply, deeply loves them. It's great. It is, like I said, this is the book that I have been looking for. Mm. So I'm really grateful you put it into the world. Also, before you wrap up, I want you to share the day this comes out, your book comes out one week later. And that means pre-orders are very important. And you have some pre-order. What's the word? 
There's no swag gifts. Swag. I'm like, what? There's got to be easy word here. <laughs> Some pre-order incentives, maybe gift swags, goodness. Yes, a little gift bundle, a care package. Oh my gosh, friends, tell us about there's these these conversation cards. I've yes. pre-ordered and I've downloaded and I've got all the things. So tell yes. everybody about this. So, um, you know, a big part of the book is just these reflection questions, prompts, and so. Um, a lot of times we don't have the ability to have like a big, heavy hardcover book along with us. So I yeah. wanted to create some, some cards that you can print out, cut up and just like stash in a bag or stash near your table or kitchen island or wherever you are together, you know, even if it's just a short amount of time and you can just flip through one and just be like, hey, it's on the card. Let's talk about it. You know, it's like awkward you know but here's your excuse you have the card and you can just right, say right. like when did you feel um most seen this week or you know what i mean these are the types of, of questions is what was a moment when you felt lonely and um somebody came alongside you you know and how can we learn through that about how to approach this week or whatever it is. So I hope that yeah. these cards, there's a hundred of them. They're open-ended. So you can really pick and choose, find what works for you. But um, I laminated mine because I got a laminator during COVID and nice. I still use it. It makes me feel very powerful. <laughs> it's such an accomplishment to laminate something. Right? I know. I'm like, yeah. look what I did. I did look this. What did say. Uh, yeah. I asked my husband to print it on our nice church computer. So yeah, really winning. But uh, there's also a little booklet of daily prayers. Yeah. Uh, so it's like morning prayer, afternoon, evening, you know, meal, bedtime. And I created a playlist because I love music. And so there's a fall Spotify playlist that's more than nine hours long. And I was like, I see it as just a curated mix to be your background this fall. Nice. Um, so lots of mix of, you know, for lack of a better word, like sacred and secular and yeah. all sorts of different music that I kind of feel like goes along with the themes that you'll see in the fall section um, of the book. And you also get to read the first three chapters digitally. So, so much good swag. How do we get that? I mean, I know, but tell our listeners, how do we get all that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can go to kaylacraig.com slash pre-order and just fill in the little form and you'll get it set right to your inbox. And um, yeah, just one small token of appreciation. Yeah. It matters a lot. You know, those pre-orders really, yes. really mean a lot yes. to authors who are figuring it out totally. and starting their journey. We'll have links, listeners, yeah. too, on all of that. You can go on Instagram. We'll have links. We'll have links in the show notes. Um, but I would really recommend – I can't recommend this book enough. And pre-ordering – I've said this before because we've talked about Micah has a book coming out. I've had books come out. Um, listener, it's so important. It communicates to the distributors of books that people are interested in this book. And I'll just give an example that, that this is not about me, but I'm – making about me real quick um with everyone belongs we had really low pre-orders and the book was only in mm -hmm. like i don't know less than a hundred barnes and nobles around the globe like around the world because of how low the pre-orders were and so because of that the book is mm -hmm. not in like barnes and noble like it's hard to find the book in a barnes and noble so all that to say i'm not throwing myself a pity party by any means like there's all these reasons for it and it is what it is if if books just don't automatically go on bookshelves just because they're out in the world, the year needs to the distributors need to be like, oh, people actually want this book. So if you know you're gonna buy it, 
pre-order it because that pre-order time is like, wow, this many people bought it. Oh, yes, we'll put it in Target stores. Oh, yes, we'll have it at every Barnes & Noble, two copies each. It's so, so huge. Um, And so pre-order the book right now. And you usually get the best price when you pre-order. There's usually like a there's some kind of at least online, like on Amazon, there's going to be some kind of a discount. There all there always is. So today's the day, right? This moment, <laughs> get this book, um, Kaylee Craig. We're so excited yeah. for every season sacred, and just grateful for what you're putting into the world, which is so much stuff. We're gonna. I want to hear from you some good news. If you have some, we have a segment on our show called Good News where we like to celebrate. The things I love and what Down syndrome are doing, the big, the small, everything in between, because everything is worth, there's so much worth celebrating. But before we do that, is there anything we've missed? Anything mm-hmm. else you want to share with our listeners? Do we hit, hit it all? Oh, no, you're such a gracious host. Thank you, Heather. I just, I admire your writing and your work and just all the, all the beauty and the goodness that you're putting out into the world. And, and if every season sacred can be one more that feeds the lake, you know, that, that brings um, a little more light, um, then I'm honored. So thank you yeah. for sharing. Thank you. And then tell our listeners where to find you some of the high level, this is where they're going to look for you. That's right. You can go to KaylaCraig.com. You can learn about me, connect more. You can find out about every season sacred and to light their way. Um, I share personal kind of adventures and kind of that personal side of my life, Kayla underscore Craig on Instagram. And then I share prayers at liturgies for parents. And really, I feel like they're prayers for all of us. So I write out of the lens and the perspective of a parent over there. But I think a lot of us can find can find a home in some of those prayers and some of those words. And you have a podcast. I do. I do. I have a and your podcast is like usually less than, yeah, less than 20 minute episodes, like a nice, a good kind of quick listen. Um, yeah. Tell us real quick about your podcast. Yep. It's just called Liturgies for Parents. They're short 10 to 15 minute episodes that kind of invite you to breathe and pray. Like it's not an interview. It's not really me sharing anything with you. It's just like a scripture reading um, to kind of meditate on and a prayer and a benediction. Like those are the three points we do every week. And it's just a seat. Uh, chance to kind of reset. So listen, while you're you're driving or you're getting ready for bed at night, whatever it is, I just hope it's like, does it add to the noise, but allows you to kind of take a breath. Yeah. Yep. So good. So good. Okay. Again, links to all that in the show notes, friends. Um, we'll be right back in a minute with some good news. This episode is sponsored by Able Now tax advantage savings accounts for eligible individuals with disabilities. Many people still think the old rules apply, that Americans with disabilities can't save for the future if they're receiving disability benefits or if they want to be eligible for benefits in the future. However, Able Now accounts remove these limitations, offering financial peace of mind for millions of eligible individuals and their families. Able Now accounts are the result of a grassroots cross-disability advocacy effort. The idea originated with a group of parents who recognized the inequality of not being able to save money in their child's name for fear of losing essential benefits, such as Medicaid. The Achieving a Better Life Experience Act, better known as the ABLE Act, was passed opening the door for these tax-advantaged savings accounts that are specifically designed for people with disabilities. 
ABLE Now is available to qualified individuals in all 50 states. Learn if you or someone you know is eligible for an ABLE Now account at ablenow.com. That's ablenow.com. Time for good news, time for good news. Everybody, welcome to the good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Kayla, we are back. We're gonna we're gonna do our good news segment. I'll start us off because I've been taking notes. I always forget what my good news is. I'm looking looking them up on my phone right now, friends. And then things happen, and I'm like, I have to remember this, and I can never remember it. But again, listeners, good news. If you're new to the show, or you've always been confused about what it is because we're not communicating it very well, we're just wanting to. I remember when Macy was real little at a playground and Macy took her first step at three, almost three years old. And she was climbing a ladder. And I was like, I'm like freaking out uh, on the playground and uh, watching all these parents around me. Like, I'm like, you don't get it. You don't get how incredible this is. She climbed this ladder, you know, like, and just that we get to celebrate these little things in such big ways. We get to see the sacred in these Mm -hmm. tiny little things that are just so important and special. And we want to celebrate your kid, whether it's like they, took a first bite of whatever, or the big things. They survived surgery. You know, like, let's celebrate mm-hmm. all of it. So that's our good news segment. I have one for all of us today, if you're ready. So Macy, we went this summer to Iowa, and we went to a water park, an outdoor water park. And I am like, Mason's not going to go on the water slides. That's not a thing that Macy likes to do. And she saw her sister walk up. We walked up together. She watched some people go. Um, and then it, they, the lady at the top gives like a thumbs up when the person can go down. So Macy like stood in a little space. There weren't people behind us, which I'm so thankful for because pressure, she doesn't do great under pressure. And she sat and then stood and then sat and stood. I said, okay, you got, if you're ready to go, you got to wait for the thumbs up. And Macy gave herself a thumbs up and then she just went down the slide. And I was like, oh my gosh, Mason. And then there were five different water slides. Um, it wasn't like a giant water park. It was a little guy with five different slides and she did every single one. And I just couldn't even believe it. I couldn't even believe it. So my good news is Mason did all of the water slides. That is just was so out of, I thought is out of character for her. So that's my good news from a summer moment. Is that fun? I love that. Me too. Oh, I love that so much. I used to work at a water park as a lifeguard I loved like getting to see the different stories kind of pass through and um yeah I brought I bet there were a lot of um smiles and and joy that she brought Mm -hmm. yeah there was there was one slide that was like um a green tube and once you went in it was pitch black and it was pretty long and Josh did it before I had done it. And he's like, I will never do that again. Like that was a horrible experience. <laughs> and so then Mason went to go on it. I'm like, and we're like, Mason, it's very, very dark. Like you need to know how dark this is. And she did it and then loved it and did it like five or six times. Like what in the yeah. world, girl? Get it, Mace. Love it. All this to say, friends, quit limiting your it's teenagers true. because that's all I do is just limit my kids. I don't friends, but Sometimes when I'm shocked by yeah, yeah, yes, I'm like, wait a second. Of course, you can go down the water slide, babe. Anyways, do you have some good news about our sweet Eliza? Yes, Uh, yeah. She, I was, I was, you know, we feed her by mouth and then through G tube, and 
my husband and I were sitting at the table and I was like, Eliza, I love you. I love you. And just, you know, just telling her I love you. And she looked at me and followed my like vocal pattern exactly. And like we heard her say, I love you, mama. Oh, with the, like she followed it with her own noises, her own. Oh, my gosh. Yes. She said, and then she made a new sound that she never had before. And then said mama at the end, very clear. And Johnny and I just, we just looked at each other like, did we make that up? And it was just like, so grateful to have each other to bear witness to that. Because like, she hasn't mm-hmm. done that, you know, ever. And it was just like, the affirmation that she oh said, I love you, you know, like that was just meant the world. Yes, that is some good news, Kayla. That is beautiful. Oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you for sharing your good news. Um, Listeners, we love to hear from you too. If you have good news that you want to share, you can head over to the Lucky Few pod on Instagram. Probably that's going to be your easiest way to get it to us in a DM. Or you can email hello at luckyfewpodcast.com and we will hopefully be able to share it here on a future episode. But that's that's it for now, guys. We're going to wrap this episode up. If you want to listener we have a special discount code in our shop the lucky at the lucky co the lucky co use code podcast get 10 percent off narrative shifting here we want to thank our friends over at able now for sponsoring this episode thank you so much to kayla craig for joining us today on this episode to josh avis for editing and ashley frackalossi for producing it if you like this episode share it with friends and family don't forget to subscribe don't forget to pre-order kayla's book you can go to luckyfewpodcast.com for show notes, everything we talked about today, and make sure you're following social media, the Lucky Few Pod, and dear listener, in this sacred time in life, which is messy and hard and beautiful all at once, you are slaying it, and we love you, we are cheering you on, and we can't wait to be together next week. Until then, bye! Bye!